0: I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort
2: meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Let's sound the alarm.
1: The typical,
3: disgusting display.
1: Oh, ho, ho. Tonight, we got them. Goldie
0: and the Salt. The typical,
1: typical disgusting, disgusting, disgusting display. And it starts
4: right now. Goldie, hit us with the energy again.
3: <laughs>
1: I've timed it perfectly so that right as the show starts, I've finished my water.
4: Oh, <laughs> nice. oh wait, I don't know. The Is that first a- joke of the day. First <laughs> <hit this> joke <laughs> of the day.
1: Perfectly timed. <laughs>
4: No, I was yeah. uh, I, I, last week. You came in with the uh, your flat version uh, the of "Sound Online. the Alarm," which is <laughs> yeah. I'll do it. I'll do it again okay. sometime. Well, yeah. Okay. Keep ready. us in, in suspense now. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of a typical disgusting display—a podcast for writers by writers who hate writing. Is it? Is, did I say that right? Yeah. I think so. I yeah. Think, God. Had enough practice. So, Goldie, I know you had a couple of things you wanted to uh, talk about up top. I, I just wanted to say, and this will take less than a minute, I saw my dad this weekend. We had a lovely time together. He told me one of the most insane stories I've ever heard. I'm dying to tell it on the podcast. And he forbid me. He said, no. Oh, no. no. So, Dad, I know you listen every week. I really want to tell that story, and I will tell it maybe at your funeral.
1: <laughs> see, if there's a, see if there's a price on it that, like, maybe if we do the Patreon thing and, right. and we're able to raise, it, you know, because yes. like, I know he likes money. Yeah, you we'll know. cut him <laughs> in, Dad. We will
4: cut yeah. you in on the Patreon profits from from this story that I can It
1: is tell. worth it. Yeah, 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 you yeah. telling me what it is? It's it's pretty incredible. It, it <laughs> yeah. could have changed history, literally. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've said too much already, we'll, but.
4: we'll say no more about it. But Dad, <laughs> it was a, it was a fantastic story, and I am honoring your wish to not tell it to our listeners. Uh, but Goldie, yeah. you had uh, a couple humorous. things. You're off on script right now.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm writing a Family Guy script, and since this is nominally a podcast about writing.
3: <laughs> I wanted
1: to talk about being, I don't know, 25 years into this career, still not, every time I go off on script, it's it's chaos, but I've noticed there are different stages of script writing. Yeah. I haven't prepared this, but I want to just sort of blurt out without thinking about it, without a filter, yeah. what these stages have been so far. Oh, um, good.
4: I, I want to hear this.
1: Stage one, you get sent off on script, you go... I'm off on script. I can relax. I have plenty of time. All right. The first day is dedicated to just enjoying the spaciousness of the time and not putting any pressure on myself because I've gotten this far in my career. I'll definitely finish. I don't need to worry anymore. I'm past that point. People like me, I'm kind of known. I can finally relax, take my foot off the gas, and write a script the way it should be written. Stage two, I have nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I have nothing. I don't know how to do this. I have somehow stumbled forward to this point and fallen flat on my face. I'm looking at act one underscore blank. I don't know what goes next. (laughs) Stage three, put anything next. Put anything. (laughs) Just put some words so you have something. It is now day three. You've used almost 40% of your time. You thought you had time. You don't have time. Now we're at the point. This is a fucking crisis. Okay? So you start putting something. Stage four. Okay, this, this is good enough. Okay. It's, good good enough. Enough. Good. it's good enough it's it's unimpeachable it's writing it's recognizable as, comedy. as writing. <laughs> stage five i've gotten to the end of an act okay yeah that's so if good you can write an act you can write two more acts yeah stage six this is actually really good. I'm going to win an Emmy. <laughs> I, think I, I think I've finally done it. I, I think I finally cracked how to write. I think that this is something, maybe it's something that hasn't been done quite on the show before, and it's a little bit of a different tone, but if they buy into it and they let it through, I think it's pretty incredible. There's something going on here. Stage seven. Uh, Okay. Act two. (laughs) Remember act one? You had nothing. Now you have an Emmy winning act one. And just shit again. So you repeat all the stages. Yes. With act two. I've not even entered act three. (laughs) But I am convinced I have half the greatest script I've ever written. And half the worst script I've ever written. Uh, Yes. And I'm at a next stage which is like. I will definitely hand in something. And this stage will quickly be followed. I know from experience, and this is where I'll, I'll end, it'll be followed by, I finish something. That will be followed by the stage. Oh, this is not very good. And that will be followed by the stage. You know what? fuck those guys. <laughs> fuck them if they That's don't me. like it. That's me. That's yeah. me you're talking fuck about. Fuck them if they don't like it. Because I I bled my ass on this page right here. And you bled know what? What have they done? What have, oh, it's so easy to sit and go hand in a script to me. Or oh, hand it to me and I'll just flip through it and judge it. Like, oh, you know, you do me missionary style while I just judge you for being boring. Well, you're just lying there too. So fuck you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that first of all. Bravo <laughs> that was
4: fantastic. fantastic and uh, I, I love how it turned into a personal attack that, that, the extra yeah. points for yeah. that, that, that anger then I'm like, why
1: am I beating myself up? <laughs>
3: oh
4: God well your scripts the, the, to end the suspense, your scripts are always fantastic. Well don't fantastic.
1: put that don't put that on it. Yeah don't no this I, that streak is in danger. <laughs> no, I don't think so, but if if we
4: if we can base it off that fantastic rant just there, I would take
1: some cuts in the third act. <laughs> there, there. I did go through. Oh God, this is going to be eighty pages, and then oh God, this is only going to be twenty nine pages. Yeah. Oh. yeah, so that, that sort happens. of that, those are sub stages where you're just going. Does the length of this make any sense to anyone? Uh, well, now now that
4: we've gotten into the weeds here, <clears throat> I want you to um, explain to us uh, what, one of the funniest terms I've ever heard, which uh, you coined, which is called script dick. What is that? <laughs> okay.
1: <Gross. laughs> I was a younger man when I coined this term. Yes. <laughs> I coined it while I was working for the Cleveland show. Oh, my we god! We used to get two weeks to go out on script. and at at that point, there was a lot of pressure on these scripts because I was just starting out, and I had come from late night, so I hadn't written very many scripts, so I would check into a hotel for two or three days because (laughs) I was not married and I didn't have kids, and I would say, like, I'm just going to block out all distractions and write the script, (laughs) and that would rapidly turn into just beating off furiously and endlessly – and so when we came back in the room, and, and this put, proved to be universal as I talked to people, people just rubbed themselves down to a nub. And oh my so God. I, I coined the term scriptic as someone who had been sent off on script. And it's for women, too. You can rub yourself to a nub. They, they, you would just so... St- Succumb to the pressure oh that you God. had furiously beaten yourself off past the point of being able to do it anymore. And you're known as scriptic.
5: Bravo! I love
4: that. Oh my God! What a that. By, by the way, to our listeners, you just got more than a peek behind the curtain of <laughs> <laughs> what it's like to be off Under on script. The
1: curtain. Maybe uh, maybe we that. just see if we if we had got joke dick this week. I know. I
4: think so. I think that was such a great. uh Topic up top. So funny. Um, And now, so we have a fantastic guest today, and I'm going to give him a nice proper intro after Johnny jokes. But Mr. Ian Maxtone Graham is already here. We're looking at him. Handsome tall. (laughs) Tall as all get out. How tall?
2: Uh, 6'6 and shrinking. (laughs)
4: 66 <laughs> six, though. He's the he's the only one I know who can say that. 66. Six. But he has been gracious enough to uh, join us for today's torture, <laughs> which we call Johnny jokes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> From North Hollywood. Here's a- <laughs>
4: uh, you're doing that while t- what you you're taking off your shirt while He's you're doing ready. that. I'm
1: trying to because I don't have wireless headphones. I'm trying to take off my sweatshirt as I. Do
4: Oh, feel free to do them dur- during the comedy of others. Uh, all right. Uh, Mr. Maxstone Graham, would you like to lead us off today?
1: I'll, I'll lead off. I'll awesome. be on easy to follow. Fresh Johnny blood. Welcome to yeah. Goldie's world.
2: Heartwarming, uh, heartwarming story last month when uh, Prince Harry and his wife, Meghan Markle, adopted the long-suffering mother of dozens of orphan beagles who had been destined for animal experiments. Unfortunately, many of the orphan beagles are still looking for homes. As to the question of the deadbeat dad who fathered all those puppies, suspicion has fallen on a beagle well-known in the entertainment industry. When, as for a comment, all Snoopy would say is, Bitch, set me up! (laughs) (laughs) Washington, D.C. Mayor Marion Barry reference there.
3: (laughs) dated. dated.
2: Yeah. That that, that reference was already dated back when Steven Seagal was still just pleasingly plump.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, You circled back to your own joke. I love it.
2: (laughs) Uh, Another animal story in the news. Did you see this? Uh, According to a recent article in Vortex magazine, historians say there is no truth to the longstanding rumors that Empress Catherine the Great of Russia ever had sex with a horse. Yeah, apparently did not happen. Complete fiction. But uh, historians did say that she may have enjoyed an occasional Moscow mule. <laughs> you put your but oomph is, into is it. Vortex Magazine about her vagina? <laughs> you guys don't subscribe? Okay. F- oh, now, JC, you can you can clip there, but I'm going to try a, a Norm joke. Oh, nice. Oh, love yes. it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, did you see this? Where uh, one of the guys who uh, chased down and murdered innocent jogger Ahmed Arbery and was sentenced to life in prison requested special treatment from the judge, saying he was experiencing depression. Yeah. Interestingly, experts recommend a simple trick for avoiding depression. Don't murder a jogger.
4: <laughs> 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 oh, very Norm. God. Oh, boy. He's great. got versatility up top. Those are great. All right, Those now we get into the uh, hammock in the middle here. Uh, maybe you heard this. Actress Shorsha Ronan has opened up about her issues with anxiety. Uh, she says she's proud speaking out about something that's previously been a shore subject.
1: <laughs> uh, moving on.
4: Uh, here's one that I have no idea. A, a, a Houston man is being praised after he punched a great white shark in order to save his wife during an attack. Uh, Experts believe this event may lead to the first ever case of husband toilet seat autonomy.
0: (laughs) Gets to leave it up for life. (laughs) These are are
4: good. Uh, All right. Here's another one of my witzelsooked. In the wake of the recent troop call-up, thousands and thousands of Russian men have fled to Finland. Uh, The men say their story is just beginning and it'll be over when they're (laughs) finished. (laughs) <laughs> i apologize for all the goodwill i had banked and throwing it all away finally <laughs> here's a little performance one oh. uh chess master magnus carson has accused fellow master hans nieman of cheating by using vibrating anal beads <laughs> this is true uh, Carlson said he became suspicious when Neiman's first move was night to, ooh, daddy likey.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> All right, Johnny 3, take it away, please. That was, that was very good.
1: And here comes trash. NARD. Okay. Never. <laughs> Archaeologists have discovered a 7,000 year old structure older than Stonehenge or the pyramids of Giza. It's the Rolling Stones rehearsal space. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not Young. Hurricane Ian, not not the Ian we have here, but Hurricane Ian is looking like a category 5 and millions of Tampa residents are being ordered to evacuate. But uh, fortunately for Tom Brady, his wife left a month ago. <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> After all he's done for me. Yeah. These are all—you'll—you'll you'll start to notice these are all just celebrity slams. <laughs> I love it. This takes me back to the '90s. <clears throat> Shakira, the singer Shakira, has been ordered to stand trial for tax fraud in Spain and faces an eight-year prison term. Yeah, it's not looking good for the singer. As the prosecution has an airtight witness to the crime, her hips. <laughs> <laughs> I love the hold. I know. That was a great hold. <laughs> okay, uh, you know what? I'm going to do fa- quantity over quality. <laughs> okay. Palm Springs yesterday experienced the highest temperature in that city's history. Wow. It was so hot. How,
4: how hot, hot was, was it? it? Was
1: it? It was so hot, it got a DM from Adam Levine. Oh, Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. That's great. That that would have been on the show. Okay. You know what? I'll risk it because we can cut this one. Okay. 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 I'll do do, do a gnar. I'll end Ah. up with a gnar. There we go. Okay. Okay. The Boston Celtics say their head coach, Ime Adoku, had an affair with another team employee and suspended him for a year. That'll teach him to not like sex.
3: (laughs)
4: And he's running away. <laughs> he's a mic drop. Those were great. He, <laughs> he ran away. The joke was so good. You just you just ran off stage. The joke was so good. Good night no, I everyone.
1: Had to, <laughs> I had to open an air conditioning vent.
4: Ah, uh, uh, yes. Of course, as one does. No, those were great. And thank you, Ian. So, yes, let's let's introduce our guest, our 66 six guest here today. We have Ian Macstone Graham. We worked with him on Dad's. We had a blast in that room. And he, Ian, was for a long time on The Simpsons. I saw not necessarily the news tucked in there, uh, of course, SNL and Veep. Ian, thank you so much for being
2: with Yay. us today. Welcome. A great honor to be here following all those incredible guests the things i learned the things i learned about the simpsons from from jay kogan literally all these things i did not know really cool yeah yeah
4: well jay kogan i think takes quite uh, a good amount of pride in being one of the originals he's like very clear about like let me tell you how it was and he he knows yeah he knows so also
2: a joke machine by the way yeah uh billy ray who you guys know asked for jokes for a Political candidate. He does a lot of political stuff. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I'll try to help you out. And Jay was just a machine. Wow. Just firing off fantastic jokes to him. And I just... I, I couldn't compete. He would just laugh. Like How badly did that candidate get defeated?
1: <laughs> well, we're, Actually,
2: I think he might be doing okay. Uh, that's yeah.
1: hilarious.
4: Yeah, that's good. It's funny because Goldie, I describe you as a machine. You're you're also a joke machine. When in those rooms, you just crank out the great jokes, and I I often feel that way. Like when we're sending in jokes for the same thing, I'm like. Jesus Christ. I just got to focus on my game. I can't look at what this guy's doing.
1: The the thing to remember is that the politician had anything at all or any personality they wouldn't need to ask you for jokes so fuck them (laughs) as you send them in that's as i'm sending my script in i'm saying fuck those guys as i'm sending my jokes in i'm saying fuck that
3: person
4: you can't even let the compliment like when you when you pour water on a dry plant and it just instantly disappears (laughs) that's a compliment to you it's like (laughs) gone on to the next hatred well i did i I
1: don't want to i'm trying to not to do the thing where i just violently fight the compliment and then it results in 20 minutes of more compliments and then it appears (laughs) i just want that which i don't want so i just i now just ignore it it's okay
4: to want a compliment it's human it's human (laughs) now you grew up in new york city um happily
2: Uh, very happily
4: okay cool people have different experiences because you kind of grew up in a time where new york was death wish new york
2: yeah. Yeah. The, the bizarrely misnamed movie, Death Wish. Yes. <laughs> um,
4: yeah. Well, New York was, it was really tough. I mean, it was, it was tough for a while. You must have stories of getting picked on dangerous walks home, that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, Sometimes somehow being six, six tricks people into thinking that you are tough, which I'm not, <laughs> but, uh, but you can sort of blow past some people sometimes. Um, yes, but, uh, yeah, I, I was you know subways late at night were a scary thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. still can be. But uh, yeah, somehow 6'6". Six, 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 six. And maybe you make it you make it through. Plenty of what, five foot one guys could beat me up, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> still at at still what do. age?
4: At what age were you? Did you hit your growth spurt?
2: I think uh, I was like already six one or something by freshman year in in high school. And, oh wow! Yeah. And then of course, by the way, like I was a swimmer in high school, and I was grateful to find something that I wasn't a door at, but. You know, when you're tall, they choose you first on the basketball team, right. and yeah. then they have the horrible, horrible letdown <laughs> yes. when the ball hits your hands and just flies off the court, right. or you, you chuck and it doesn't go near the net, And <laughs> you can't you can't possibly dribble, and yeah. they're just... Do you know Donnett Carey? Do you know the writer Donnett Carey? I don't know him personally, but I know who he is. Well, he's a wonderful, funny guy, and he's a, also a very, very good basketball player. I would go to his house and play basketball, and he's like... He's a head and a half shorter than I am. And he could dribble <laughs> circles around me and basically dunk over me. All right. And, uh, yeah. So if you're tall, like, get good at basketball.
4: Yes. Ian, I'm I'm well aware of the the disappointment of picking a tall guy for basketball. <laughs> and then the first time they handle the ball, you're like, we've miscalculated. We've wasted our <laughs> number one pick.
3: And now we're stuck with
4: the dregs and this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. this guy. I've been in that game before. Goldie's very scrappy, by the way. Yeah. And, uh, and pick up basketball. I've seen him play. He's you do he's the Patrick Beverly of Pick Up Basketball. You don't want him on the other team. He's gonna get in your head.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love nothing more than getting tangled up with a big guy. <laughs> if i could spend my whole life just tangled in the limbs of a giant man (laughs) let's isolate that quote as we're both immobilized that's
3: how i'd spend it not getting better
1: Um,
2: (laughs) you're you're kind of putting me on the spot here goldie (laughs) yeah (laughs) he's on his way so
1: i I, I, could i i just want to tell a brief story about ian who uh is a very accomplished swimmer you know now that we've made a little fun of the basketball ability. Yeah, yes. Ian's like an incredible swimmer, an accomplished spear fisherman. Yes. Um, wow. So one day I, I went to the beach. I met Ian there for breakfast. Nice. And uh, I brought my boogie board. I was just going to goof off. And, and he said, I'm going to go for a swim. <laughs> and first of all, he <laughs> took off his shirt... And the beach stopped
0: (laughs) Everyone just
1: Turned slow-mo Because he's he's built like a colossus And then he dove into the water Took two strokes And was over the horizon (laughs) And I didn't see him again until this morning (laughs) And that was three years ago (laughs) Yes So we yeah, made t- <laughs> we made a little fun of the basketball, but you put this guy in the water.
4: Yeah, talk and about that, Ian. How did you first get into swimming? Because
2: you are amazing at it, legendarily. I, you know, I was I was not very good at sports ever. And then in freshman year at Trinity, uh, the coach saw, I think basically saw how big I was when I was just swimming in the pool at, you know, PE, just like the sort of minimum yeah. that you had to do for their phys ed requirements said, Th- think about being on the team. And then I, 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 I was a quick study and I guess started you know, getting fast times very fast. and yeah. then, uh, But, you know, there are great swimmers. There are great swimmers. And you realize, like, I'm OK, but I didn't, like, rank in the state or right. go to Junior Olympics. Or, by the way, swim for very long at Brown. I mean, you get to Division One Ivy League swimming and it's like, OK, well, Bobby Hackett was at Harvard and he got a, he got a silver in the Olympics. So, right. like, yeah. right. you, you know, I, I was not near that level. I was two levels below that. I was like, oh, yeah, Ian's a pretty good swimmer at the beach and like on a little yeah. local, but I was never like, so wow, this but guy's then how bed. do
1: you make the decision that you should become Neptune, get a spear and start killing things in the water?
2: <laughs> you know, I just, I was always, I think I always wanted to fly. And when you, and when you, oh. when you oh, dive, when you free dive, it's kind of like you're flying, you know, you're, you're hovering and you're like 30 feet whatever above the bottom, then you can kind of swoop down and it's kind of like you're flying. Wow. And then like, oh, there's stuff here you can eat and you can shoot it and that makes it much more yeah. exciting. Yeah. It's like it's like a lot of people like to take a walk in the woods, but if you have a rifle and shoot a deer and bring it home and feed all your family for months, that's even cooler plus you got the walk in the woods. So yeah. it's that kind of thing. Wow. Wow. But you what only is- want to shoot what you eat and you only want to shoot things that are legal and you know you want to be ethical to the whole thing, but it is pretty great to go out and get Shoot something that you can then eat on the boat that day, or bring home and feed all your friends. It's it's very fun.
3: Yeah,
5: you sent yeah you sent a photo of a fish you caught yesterday. What was what kind of fish was that? It was actually
2: that was my friend David Bond uh, shot a, a yellowtail. Oh, uh, yeah. we were out at uh, Catalina and he shot a yellowtail. Oh
5: yeah, it's
2: PD. And uh, and we ate it on the boat right away, and it was great. Did you cook it?
5: No, they ate. How much? No, we had
2: it. Uh, we sashimi it and had it with uh, with uh, soy sauce right there, oh uh, right there wow. on the boat. It was super uh, nice way to Can't do it.
1: When special. you're in the writers' room, do you ever look around and think about eating someone? Or <laughs> <laughs> eating someone. <Unlimited>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah,
4: I'm going to be wearing extra baggy sweatshirts around you forever. Um, so uh, I don't want to show off my hot body.
3: <laughs> I wanted to you? bring
4: up something uh, before we get into uh, the writing stuff. This was, and you're probably going to know where I'm going with this. A photo was put in front of my eyes one day, Ian. And I think you might guess at which photo I'm talking about. A photo of you and Andy Warhol's crew at Studio 54.
2: cool.
4: (laughs) How did that happen? Tell me a little bit about that.
2: Well, that was a very random event. uh, (laughs) But, um, you know, it was... you're in New York, You sort of a certain bunch of kind of preppy guys. Uh, and yeah, Robert Chambers. You get in, and, and somebody knows somebody. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and it, it, I just happened to randomly then walk onto that bridge, which then moves, so it's then isolated from everybody else. And I hadn't quite realized that all these famous people are on there, but I did see a million strobes going off. So I thought, wow, I, my picture's probably being taken up here with, like, <sighs> Liesmanelli... Andy Warhol, Steve Rubell, yeah. Diana Ross, and yeah. Reggie Jackson. Oh, and yeah. It was just <laughs> it was it was a ceiling moment. I didn't like hang with these people on a regular basis. It was just but you looked like a, a you complete, somehow
4: fit in. You somehow fit well, into that crew.
2: Well, I was trying to look like I fit in because I felt like I did not fit in because I'm not Liza Minnelli. I you know <laughs> no one is. <laughs> I, I I can't claim to be Liza Minnelli or Andy Warhol. Yeah, you know, I was just a guy who was you know a college student in his father's. Uh, suit in his girlfriend's father's uh, shirt. (laughs) (laughs) That's really sweet. Uh, That's hilarious. And holding two beers, which was a a thing that people often point out.
4: Yeah, Yeah, you're not Liza Minnelli. Although uh, Liza Minnelli Minnelli spearfishing is something I'm now thinking of.
2: (laughs) Delve
5: into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Um, well,
4: that so that was at Studio 54, though, correct?
2: It was. But yes. again, it was not my life. I was not really, I was not like one of those party guys. Yeah. It was essentially random. Wow. But I, di- I did know Andy Warhol, and that was cool. And I, if you look at his body of work, it was quite amazing to, to know an artist of that stature. Yeah. That was quite cool.
4: Well, when you say you, you knew Andy
2: Warhol, how? You just, you go to something, and he's there at the thing, and you meet him, and... And you talk to him and then you know him. Yeah. Cool. You're a young guy. You're like 19 or 20 and you just sort of go through life. And hey, now I'm here at this thing with this yeah. person who's famous. Yeah, like, never I'm happened famous. once.
1: It <laughs> never happened me.
2: <laughs> it was kind of a Manhattan thing, you know? Right. But, yeah. but also, by the way, just just maybe this sort of gets into the writing thing. You're very aware at that age. I have done nothing. Oh, I kind of right. like the idea of being a writer, but like I was obsessively reading like my heroes, you know, Tom Wolfe and, and all these mm. great writers and you know, the Plimpton and just, oh, maybe I could maybe be some kind of journalist and, and being obsessed with that world. But like, I'm a, you're a nobody at that point. Right. And you, and will I ever be anything? And even though you're like hanging out with somebody famous, it sort of underlines the fact that you have not done anything. Right. So it doesn't actually do anything besides, Hey, cool. There's my picture in the New York Post or, you know, whatever. there's nothing, there's nothing behind it. Wow. Right. Well, that's true. There's that's, nothing there.
4: It's true. It's true. When I met Tom Brady,
1: uh, our good friend on the podcast, <laughs> I remember feeling... Some are calling the most over-photographed incident in history. But <laughs> yes, there
4: were many photos taken, and I like to post them often. Uh, but I, I kind of went away with a similar feeling of like, Jesus Christ, I'm never I'm never going to be like this guy.
2: Right, He's- but you brought something to the table. Like, you weren't a random guy who bumped into him. You brought jokes and your history as a comedy Uh, writer at the table and that great joke that he then told like so you gave something to Tom Brady. I did not bring anything exactly. to the table. I was just a guy. I brought, I brought two beers. I brought two $6 beers. Bet that's those, what I brought.
1: I bet those two oh, beers we were more appreciated than our jokes. <laughs> oh, you went a different that's way. That's yeah. here. But that's good. I'm glad you went that way. I thought you were going to say, I bet those two beers were
4: more than Alec brought to that, to that movie. Um, anyway, so Studio 54. Now, you, the, the, the idea that you hung out with these guys all the time, that's debunked. Uh, this uh, is yes, a random no, occurrence. You can
2: no longer bunk it. Take it off, <laughs> and, Un- and un-bunkable. Take it off the bunk. <laughs> unbunkable. <laughs> it's a non-bunk event.
4: Um, so what, t- how did you make the leap to writing? What was your first job? What was your entree into the world?
2: Well, I, I got very lucky in that I was living uh, in uh, Los Angeles on the floor of uh, Billy Kimball's apartment. He was working on not necessarily the news. Oh, right! I was working as a, a photographer, kind of, for Gamma Liaison. I was going to photo school in Santa Barbara, Whoa. commuting up there. Wait, Gamma uh,
4: Liaison? Was that Tom Gamble's photo company? <laughs> uh,
2: uh, it, was oh, <laughs> it was Gamma it was Liaison. Oh, Gamma Liaison. They've been bought I, by Getty Images, but I would I, shoot. Oh, okay. these. They would send me to San Diego to take pictures of a 90-year-old marathon runner, and then they'd run them and just oh, like wow. random stuff. Was not making a living doing it. I was going to photo school at Brooks Institute of Photography. What? I did not know what I was going to do next. I had had a job in Riverside, California on a newspaper. And that's why I ended up in Hollywood. Right. And then Billy said, uh, and I'll never forget the moment. He said, uh, well, we might have an opening at uh, Not necessarily the News. And I said, okay. And I wrote like seven sketches because he would bring back you know the packet of all the sketches submitted every week. Right. So I kind of had a sense of them, and I'd written sort of funny stuff in high school and college. And uh, so I wrote seven sketches and they brought me in and they gave me a job and then like, wow, wow. I'm not a copy editor on a newspaper anymore. Wow. Uh, I could make typos and not be yelled at.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> I'm look at me now. I'm writing for Stuart Pankin.
4: <laughs> <laughs> was that, was that a fun, I mean, your first job, it had to be a blast. I mean, did you enjoy that? Yeah.
2: Yeah. But I felt a lot of stress. I, I think I still had, I, I I think a little bit of imposter syndrome they talk about. And also mm-hmm. uh, it was hard. You Like you either have an idea for a joke or you don't. I didn't have a good work ethic. So I, I found it, I found it, uh, you know, challenging. It, was, it takes a while to get comfortable as a writer. That was,
1: it was sort of the daily show of its time, right? The, not necessarily. It was very,
2: news. it was even more sketchy. It was even, it was all sketches. So there was some stuff at a news desk, but it was a lot of very short little sketches, really blackouts, they used to call them. It right. was based on the Great English Show, not, not the 9 o'clock news, which had Roman. Was Conan in
1: there it. when you were there? No,
2: he, he was there the after beginning. me. Okay. Okay. But I, I sort of met Conan and Greg, who were back then a team, Greg Daniels and Conan O'Brien, were a writing team. And when they, they came out, I, I knew them. And uh, I met George Meyer, basically because he, he wrote there for a little while. A lot of people came through there. Mike and Al were there, Mike Reese and Al Jean, who were then yeah. played a huge role in my career and who are sort of my comedy gods who had been at National Lampoon, who had written a huge amount of, of Airplane 2, who had been amazing right. on the Harvard Lampoon.
3: <laughs> right. uh,
2: so, so a lot of people that I had always admired, it's like now, well, I had the same job as them. So yeah. all I can do is not measure up. <laughs> right. I, love, I love
4: the Airplane 2 shout out in there Because I do feel like that movie gets overlooked People talk about Airplane, uh, rightly As one of the great comedies of all time But Airplane 2 is a very funny sequel Very funny It's a really
2: funny sequel And they did an amazing job And I think they were like 20 and 21 when they did it wow, I mean, They, were, they were wonderkins uh, and, and I was an honor to work with them You know, for the first time, of many
4: uh, that's, that's great So how many seasons were you
2: there? One One thing. Did not last. Did not last. That's all you need sometimes. Let go. Let go. Discontinued. Uh, Asked to
4: kindly ask to leave. If
2: if there were a sound effect that expressed someone not being somewhere anymore, take that sound effect.
1: They they brought in Jeff Probst, who said, "Take your spear and go.
4: (laughs) Give me your torch." Um, So, where did you go from there? What was the next uh, job for you? Uh, Because I saw you walk past me a lot at SNL when I was sitting there oh, yeah, at uh, the same time we overlapped briefly wow um, but you had uh, there was something in between
2: yeah there was something in between uh, the thing that was significant was uh again Billy Kimball was the host of a show called uh, Clash which he created with Tim Disney which was on something called hot TV yeah and it was it was a very funny game show and I was the producer head writer on it and we had uh, amazing writers uh, my brother guy we had Steve Tompkins, who later on went to The the Simpsons and and became a good friend. We had uh, Doug Petrie, who became a great writer and director. And we had Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein. Wow. And Oakley and Weinstein were amazingly good writers. Apparently, they tolerated my somewhat manic bossing of them and, and <laughs> dragging people in on Saturdays. and Oh my God, you were one of those <laughs> for a game show. We had a deadline. Yeah. We had a deadline. <laughs> everything had to be true. Everything had to be funny and everything had oh. to be done in a hurry. Yeah. And, uh, actually, when I got to the Simpsons, Bill Oakley held up, uh, he, he had saved a memo from me and I just, I, I can't believe my names on this. I, uh, I'm <laughs> very embarrassed, but it said basically, from now on, everyone needs to come in on Saturday. For the moment, you can not come in Sundays, but we'll keep you posted. Oh, and man. Like, what a dick! What a dick! Whoever's <laughs> name at the bottom of this, never hire
4: them, never <laughs> no, work for them. I love that you're owning it, though. It's big of you. Now, tell me a little bit. But but let uh, me say we yeah.
2: got a cheers from TV Guide on this. Oh, phone phone huge. that was console. huge that, then. To me, that was huge. Yeah, that was congrats. huge. That's then.
1: like a retweet from. Mindy Kaling if yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, yes. about the equivalent now one uh,
4: one credit caught my eye Ian, and I'm hoping you can shed a little light on this the Motown review with Smokey Robinson oh yeah
2: mm. yeah that w- was a was super that? fun job it was um, I was writing a lot with a guy named Ron Richards who's a legendary uh, uh, comedy writer and especially known among stand-ups as a guy who punches up their jokes I, I'll talk to him about him a little bit later but he he and Jimmy Brogan would go on Sunday night to Jay Leno's house, and they would work with Jay on his material for Jay on Monday Night on Carson. Yeah. And as you may remember, Jay on Monday Night on Carson destroyed. It was great. He destroyed. He had an amazing monologue. And Ron was one of the guys. Now, that does that's not his whole career, but he was known very well among comedy writers as being a legend. And he was a guy, I would say, that I learned comedy writing kind of at, at the feet of of Ron Richards. Oh, I really cool. just, I, I worshiped him. And That's he and nice. I worked on this show, The Motown Review, featuring uh, Paul Mooney and Arsenio Hall as writers wow. and uh, getting to meet like every legend in the business, getting to meet, you know, every every great Motown singer we got to meet and, and write jokes for them, writing jokes for... um I won't go through everybody, but for Dean Martin, writing jokes for Dean Martin, having yeah. him like this stuff. Like Wow It, it was amazing. But every, wow. you know, Diana Ross, Smokey, obviously, and, and you know, getting to know Barry Gordy and just just working on this show, on this on this variety show with sketches. Wow. Uh, cool. Smokey
1: Robinson is updating his act, the Legendary Motown singer now wants to be known as <clears throat> Vapey Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So points for quickness and for
4: quality. Delivery. Great. Um, well, so that's funny. I, w- I was hoping that we could uh, sit on it and make fun of you, but it sounds like it was a great experience because that's one of those g- credits you read and that could go either way. That could have been like a total nightmare or it sounds like it was great
2: it was super exciting I mean I also it was I think my first time I appeared on TV as there was another writer who was short and very skinny and we appeared as Weight Watchers sumo wrestlers for like (laughs) for like three seconds and they put us in those in those kind of diapers they wear and you know squaring off these two you know pretty slim guys it was it was a big laugh Uh,
1: that still works I know (laughs) that that would still that's a great gag
4: (laughs) Um, so now let's talk about, uh, your time at SNL because, uh, you worked very closely with one of our heroes and I know someone you love, which is Norm Macdonald. Tell us, uh, tell us about your time at SNL.
2: Well, uh, okay. So I got very lucky in that, uh, I had written for this thing called, uh, Army Man, which meant that Jack Handy knew who I was oh. Right, and Jack Handy, uh, who is, legend. Uh, a legend, also a real person. I think people sometimes think it's a made-up name. Right. Mm-hmm. And he he got my material to Jim Downey. He asked, actually asked me to to uh, to apply to the show and I wrote four sketches and he got them to Jim Downey and I six months later I got a phone call. So I was on the show writing uh, sketches for a couple of years and then, uh, you know, they were making a change and update and they weren't sure who they were going to use and there was talk of various different people but, you know, the sort of edgy, big choice was Norm MacDonald who was like, nobody else in the world. Right. And, uh, you know, it had always been my feeling that, that the update writing, I want to be, I want to not knock anybody too hard here, but the update writing could have used more attention. Uh, Yeah. Alec, you probably know this in the old days, it was Herb running it and Herb is a legend, you know, he's no longer with us, but a legend among comedy writers, but it was Herb running it. It was Kevin doing the news who was great and a wonderful guy and still a friend of mine. and, All of the writing by the writers basically got done by Herb and Kevin during the week. Or they had this thing called the update breakfast where they cook some eggs and bacon on Saturday morning, much earlier than you want to get up. And essentially, (laughs) if you didn't have any sketches in and you felt terrible for not getting a sketch in, you would show up Saturday morning and there'd be a big stack of like AP wire black and white photos and you'd just go through them trying to write something. And that was where most of the writing happened. And I just, so I associate that with like eating too much eggs because you're sort of you know, anxiety eating, <laughs> yeah. going through these things and like desperate, like I don't have a sketch in, so please let me kill an update with one joke so I can feel like I, I yeah. have, you know, some reason to be on this show and in this yes. in the writing credits. That's interesting. And I did
4: not know about that breakfast.
2: Yeah, it was, it was the update breakfast. There was their own, they had their own typist. There was this whole little thing. And I I always felt that like there should be a little bit more sort of run up to that. Like, how about Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday would be a good time to do some joke writing. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Now, Crazy. Uh, I also thought that, and I just want to say this nice way possible that Herb and Norm was not a great fit. You know, I agree because
4: Norm was a newer voice, and I think Herb was so well versed and perfect for the comedy voice yes, that had yes. come before.
2: Yes, and again, a guy who has written more more great jokes for TV than I ever will. So, so hmm. you know, Les stay there for um, for Herb Sargent. Yeah, but. But I basically decided to help Norm and to take over Update. And I had the blessing of, of Lauren and Jim. I did not have the blessing of Herb. Right. Of course. Yeah. And it got um, really all the conflict. There was never any conflict with me and Norm. It was all between me and Herb. And it was I didn't like it because I didn't dislike Herb at all. I just wanted him to let me help Norm be Norm. Right. And... Herb did not like that. And it, it got kind of heated between us. Um But he's no longer with us. The man's a legend. I'll yeah. leave that at that. Yeah. But I did do a bunch of stuff with Norm that I'm still very proud of. We we worked very hard to hire uh, another outside writer. And we hired also, sadly, no longer with us, Drake Sather, oh, right. uh, who was a legendary comedy writer, died by suicide, exceedingly oh. sad. He was a classic Norm writer. He kind of looked like Norm. He spoke like Norm. Super good looking, super funny, and a great norm sense of humor, and wrote great jokes for us. We also reached out to um, freelancers, and Norm and I wrote checks outside of the guild probably a guild violation. We would write checks to various <laughs> people who would send stuff in because I'd rather lose 75 bucks. We were splitting at 150 bucks, you know, per joke. I'd rather lose 75 bucks than not have a great joke on update. <laughs> yeah, so we were writing these like personal checks. Wow. to people. I'm sure it's an IRS violation. <laughs> those jokes.
4: If David Goodman's listening, he's irate right now. You can't yeah, do that. Dude. Yeah, I'm
2: done. Oh, he's at the door. Uh, um, anyway, moving on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, moving uh, on. <laughs> well said. <laughs> but uh, anyway, also, there was a thing, and I, I, I want to just jump back to, to Ron Richards just to tie it all together. Sure. He would go with Jay to the Comedy and Magic Club on those Sunday nights, and Jay would try out his stuff for the next day so he could field test it. So instead of just like uh, what, what my writers came up with is funny, he could know how it, how it went. Yeah. So I would go with Norm to Caroline's where Mike Sweeney, I think uh, on one night a week kind of had r- ran a show at Caroline's, you know, Mike Sweeney from Conan. Uh, and he would let Norm go up and we would go to uh, the comic strip and Norm would go up there and try the jokes out. So he would hit re- rehearsal. He would hit, he would hit dress, with jokes that already we knew what people were going to uh, think of them. And we, wow. you know, we already made some selections. So anyway, I threw myself into this job. I stopped writing sketches, you know, with rare exceptions. And I just was like all about Norm all week long. Yeah. And also Xeroxing news stories and passing them out to people all week long. So we're not waiting for Saturday. So we're like, so we've hit it. And by Friday night... We've got a strong bunch of jokes, and we've tried them out at, at Carolines, and like we're ready to go.
4: It's a much and better was, system. Yeah.
5: So you started. It's so much that. better
2: now. If you look at the credits, well, yes, I mean,
5: yeah. Like
2: I don't want to take credit for too many things, but yes. Now. Yeah. Which is a great way to go. Yeah. Which have more people, and also update has become more uh, elaborate and stuff. But yeah, there's one other thing I want to say, which is we wanted to make all of the people who would do update features feel like Norm one of them to be there that they weren't an intruder on, you're getting in the way of my jokes. And Norm loved them being there. And I think a lot of, you know, Sandler coming on it, you really felt a click there with Norm. And again, he also had that with Kevin. I don't want to take that away, but Norm was really, it felt like this was Norm's team a little bit. And that was, all those things were to me, like one of my two or three great working experiences in my life was was that experience with Norm. It was really it was fantastic. And just like in the cab rides with Norm, long cab rides, like going from club to, to club, like hanging out with him and just talking about the jokes and talking about comedy. Like I will treasure those forever.
3: Amazing. That's
4: so great. And and the results speak for themselves. I mean, I know Goldie agrees. I, it's the best era of uh weekend update in the show's history, in my opinion. I'm going to go further and say the best telling of Topical news jokes ever. I I think it might be. I mean, it, it was it was so so amazing. Just it was a appointment television. Everyone who was an assistant level would drop what they were doing and watch the dress rehearsal. You know, from upstairs, just to like see what what Norm was up to this week. It was the the highlight of the show. Um, so
2: let, let, let me say let me say three yeah. things. First of all, I agree. Second yeah. of all, I really think Colin and Michael Che are fantastic. I agree, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and they do amazing stuff. So I think right now they've... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> very, they Ooh, somebody very... opened a door. <laughs> somebody opened <laughs> a squeaky door. Or also, Downey, Downey was in charge when I, when I stopped doing it. So you have to give, you know, you look at the totality of, of Norm's work, you know, Jim Downey has to be the guy who gets credit for that. And finally, I just will say it one more time, you have to listen to Norm's book, which is not a memoir. It's a comic novel pretending to be a memoir, but it does, it, there's a few true things on it. in it, but it's brilliant. And okay. I would say, don't read it, listen to it. It is <laughs> one of the great comic things ever written. I mean, it's, it's that's, amazing. That's high praise indeed. I'll have to check that yeah, out. Yeah. What's it called? It's called Based on a True Story. Okay. And it, it sh- it may it live forever as like literally one of the great comic novels you'll ever read. That just like does crazy sort of alternate reality stuff and, and read by him so well and read by another guy as well. It's as brilliant as you think he is, you'll listen to the book and go, oh, wow, he's even more brilliant. Wow. Oh, That's,
4: that's amazing. Oh. That's hard yeah, to I do. I got
2: goosebumps just thinking <laughs> about it. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Danny. And, and you uh, now, should.
4: Ooh, something that I used to love oh, about- oh, One last yeah. thing. People yeah.
2: should watch his final Netflix special. Okay. Which is just him him at a microphone. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It's and it's, so it was good. like him at home, right? It's During him the, at the home. Pandemic. Yeah. But he's on. I mean, he's really on. And you just, if you want a farewell to Norm, watch that. And then there's some, some guys talk about him afterwards. There's a little sort of panel discussion about him. And it, that's a. That and the, and the book are, are things you can treasure forever.
4: Well, and Thank also, you. I mean, his final appearance on Letterman, which I think will yeah. go oh down God. as one of like the sort of 10 best comedy sets of all time for content and emotion. It was insane. And I think that, And again, this is probably not controversial here. I think he's the best talk show guest ever. I mean, I think there are certain people like Charles Grodin goes in there and, and uh, you know, Johnny Winters probably, but... I think Norm for me is just, you know, he did some stuff on Conan that I'll never forget.
2: Yeah, yeah, the the him and Conan, the the electricity between those two is that was just it, it couldn't have been better. Yeah, and those he was that really way. he was other. that way
4: with Dave too. He had his own yeah, thing with yeah, Dave, that's true. which is he really uh, did amazing. So good for him, yeah. and he he had. Sort of a thinly veiled disdain for some other talk shows, which I found also entertaining and amusing. (laughs) Um, But one last thing, because we love to talk about Norm all the time. and We have a Norm expert here, so why not shake it all out? One of the things that I really used to laugh at watching Norm do dress rehearsal and even sometimes the show itself is when a joke would not go well. And he would give that look that could kill off to, <laughs> yes. off camera. Was he ever looking at you like I argued oh. with you about this joke, and I was right, and you made me say it? But that's that's what the subtext was there, right? He was like, "How dare you, person oh. off camera, make me say this joke?" Oh,
2: I think you know, I think that was me. I think you're right. Think that was me for the, for the first for the first seven episodes. Yes. yes.
4: Oh my goodness! If looks could kill, <laughs> yeah. he was so great at that so thinly veiled
2: but also occasionally he would commit to a thing that didn't get a laugh and he would do it at, he would do it at, at air so uh you know god bless him for that yes yeah. yes all right he, he was well, not thirsty he liked to laugh but he was not thirsty right
4: that's a, probably a good quality one that i do not uh, recognize in myself yeah. um so now let's get into the the uh, main course here of the simpsons <laughs> well, how did you end up there And uh, what was your experience like there?
2: Well, okay, Uh, Bill and Josh, uh, Oakley and Weinstein, who had worked on this game show, Clash, they took over The Simpsons. It was back when you could move to LA, you know, rent an apartment, and two and a half years later, you're running The Simpsons. Wow. Having having never done a half hour before they got there. And I think a lot of people would, like, leave the show for development deals and... They took over, and they called me at SNL and said, uh, "Would you think about coming here?" And I said, "Well, let me finish out the year with Jim, and then at the end of the year, you know, I wasn't going to leave Jim Downey and and that cast and and my fellow writers. But then at the end of the year, a lot of people left, and it seemed like, well, this is a time to go. And John Vitti kind of persuaded me that it was a, it would be a good uh, good place to work. And and then I, you know, you land at this very intimidating place where you walk in a room with, you know, George Meyer and Ken Keeler and. Brent Forrester and, and Dan Graney and Greg Daniels and right. Bill and Josh and Steve Tompkins. i like, oh my God, like what an intimidating bunch of people. Like, will I ever get a joke in?
1: Right. And, did you did you uh, have to submit a half hour script because you hadn't no, done a half hour at that point? Right?
2: I, I I never did. It was it was that thing of Bill and Josh had worked for me. They forgave me for the memo, and uh, I and know they wanted me to come out there. Amazing, they did that. Yeah. Well, and And uh, God bless them. Yeah. So
1: had you written a half hour script at that point ever?
2: Uh, I had written just to date me. Uh, I had written a spec Cheers a long time ago. Oh, cool. Uh, oh. And. Uh, it, you know, my agent at the time said, yeah, that's fine. I'll write another one. And that was my... No, I think I wrote other sort of random things. I guess I wrote, a, I wrote a spec moonlighting and I wrote a spec... Awesome. Oh, here's the dumbest idea. My friend wrote a pilot. Ron Richards wrote a pilot I really liked. And I thought, I think this will get picked up. I'll write a second episode. <laughs> and so I wrote a second episode of a show that didn't exist. But, <laughs> but, okay. But horrible career blunders aside, I will say that, like, when in doubt, write shit.
3: Yeah.
2: Like... When in doubt, just do more, do more writing and like write stuff that no one's going to read. Write a million sketches that, that suck. Like write write 20 things that are no good and then the number 21 Ooh. will be good. So on the one hand, I'm great embarrassed to, to have done dumb stuff. On the other hand, it's like I was writing. I wrote a lot of stuff. You know, when yeah. I got to SNL, I'd written many bad sketches on my own at home. So God.
5: great
4: advice. I know it is. It is. I wish I could heed it. I hear it. I recognize <laughs> it's great. But,
2: but you've just written like, a million things. You know, you, you're, yeah. Yeah. You're on the trolley. Yeah. He's
1: been around when things were written. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Writing
4: adjacent. Uh, the, Lin-Manuel Miranda might say, the room where it happened.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Let me say, I have read your guys' drafts. I I, I saw the, uh, you know, and again, beat up on dads all you want. I love the room. I love the show. I love being in there. And you guys wrote some quality drafts. And that I, was this man. I could go on about that, but... But both of you know, from both of you, I saw like amazing, like, oh, we can put this on TV drafts, which not every show comes up with. Because some shows, let me just very quickly say, at The Simpsons, you can hand in, you know, uh, the LA phone directory, or you can hand in a great script, and they will both go through the machine, and it'll come out as a great script. Yes. At Dad's itself, we didn't really have the time or the manpower to put everything through that kind of a hopper. So scripts kind of had to come in good. Yes. And... There's a higher standard. And again, nothing against legendary Simpsons writers and legendary Simpsons scripts, but you didn't feel the colossal pressure to like, people are going to read this and it better be good. And I was amazed to see like TV ready scripts on that
4: oh, show. Oh, that's Goldie. Say, yeah, say what you're going to say, Goldie. I could see you. <laughs> yep, with that's that's,
1: that's <laughs> what everyone says is that dads had a higher standard than the Simpsons. <laughs> there he is. Again,
2: Again, we had many great writers. We had a rewrite <laughs> yes. process. That, that There's a machine. We didn't have the machine. We did uh, not but have the machine. I
4: often compare Goldie to, uh, in my mind, I'm sure Goldie will remember this. Uh, you remember Earl Campbell in that game where his jersey was like basically ripped off his back for the whole game? He's still running guys over. I feel like he was handed the ball like 45 times that game. That's what that's what you were on, Dads. So it was just like, just keep giving Goldie the ball. And how does Earl Campbell walk now? <laughs> he can't. He cannot. He can no longer walk. He has script dick permanently.
1: <laughs> My dick has paid the price. I'm uh, showing this to the young writers as a cautionary tale. Don't. No, no they need to know. This is just what happens.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so, Simpsons fans who are listening now uh, may actually recognize Ian because you are a character in a very famous episode. Tell us a little bit about how that came to pass.
2: Okay. I was there on a six-month uh, tryout. I, we agreed. To, I'll just go there for six months, and see if I like it. Uh, toward the end of it, uh, I get called down the hallway from uh, the, the writer's room down into Bill and Josh's office. And like, you know what's coming, right? Yeah. It's like br- br- bring your playbook. <laughs> right, like, right, This is it. <laughs> like cardboard box, you know, yeah, yeah. lamp, picture of right. family, Barber pole, loaf of French bread. <laughs> of course, we for got? some reason. <laughs> uh, so I walk down the hallway, and there are like a couple of animators and it's like what? And then what they say we have a character called the very tall man can we base him on you And like motherfucker yeah you better
1: <laughs>
2: like first of all you're unlikely to fire me after basing a character on me yes <laughs>
3: well,
2: how nice would that be uh and two like look i'm on tv and i don't actually have to do it and um i actually had a little photo of me of with my young uh, godson, who uh, then he was one, and uh, just graduated AFI. And I had this picture of me with him. And so I handed that to them and said, you can do it off this. And uh, I think I was, I owned one in my life, one purple shirt. (laughs) I don't wear purple (laughs) shirts, but I... Happened to be wearing it, and so now that guy's got a purple shirt. <laughs> and uh, voice by Hank Azaria, who does kind of a Yertle the Turtle voice. Right. Yes. You think it's funny to yes. make fun. But, uh, but uh, i fine not doing the voice. Happy to be in the show. He showed up in the New York episode. I was very happy to oh, see. Oh, cool. Okay. And, um,
4: and that yeah, original I, episode was 22 short stories about Springfield, right? 22 short
2: films about Springfield. Right, Which, short films. which I, I had nothing to do with the writing of. It was... Everybody wrote these things. They threw them together as kind of a Pulp Fiction thing going through there. It was a great, it was very Bill and Josh. If you sort of track the showrunners, it had that quirky Bill and Josh, not building to a big crescendo of, of laughs and story, but like, we'll stand out forever. I yeah. uh, kind of feel to it, and uh, I'm so happy to be part of it.
1: Yeah, that's, that's so, cool. so cool. There's a character and family guy based on me who rubs his butt on the counter at Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> <laughs>
2: There's no bad publicity. Yeah, no.
4: But so now we've had people from The Simpsons on. Jay Kogan, as we know, is the self-proclaimed uh, master of all things Simpsons. Um, but you were there for quite a long time. Now, yeah. when Jay was there, he talked about it was one writer's room. But when you were there, did it make the jump to two or was it two when you got there? How did that work?
2: Bill Bill, and Josh, I think when you had two showrunners, you felt like you could split the room into two and each of them could, could be on top of one. Eventually, as you know, your showrunning duties can pull you out of the room completely. So right. Scully or sometimes Steve Tompkins would run one of the rooms. Um, but that I think it was under Bill and Josh they tended to split up. I think under... Under Merkin, they hadn't. I think it would tend to be one big room with him, and you know, as you guys know, small is better. Like, if you have, if I was running a Thank room God. and you had like nine people, <laughs> usually like at the end of the table, three of them are on their phones or talking. Make a modular room. Send those three or four people out. And right. They'll actually do, be happier and do better work focusing on something than just than making noise at the end of the room. There's yeah. accountability. Uh, so it's always good. Yeah. There's accountability, and and also. As you guys you guys do this a lot at Family Guy, when the team comes in, at least on the Simpsons from the other room, they're so proud of what they did. Yes, And they read their stuff and they get big laughs, even on the stuff that you can't use. And everyone's happy and motivated, so.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and 3-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
2: You know, the Simpson's movie had a room too. We had a great room of uh, John Frank, Mike Price, Joel Cohn, Tim Long. The Missing Friend. We were in a I was not on it very long, but I was in the main room for about a month and we had a, a, a modular room and they would come down with the greatest stuff and it would pick everybody up so yeah. yeah i'm a big believer in um i'm a big believer in the in a modular room and breaking it up it's, five I've, five or six people is a match
4: i've i've seen that go both ways as 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 has goldie sometimes a room comes back in and it's such a spectacular failure that that's its own form yeah. of a pickup and also there's this phenomenon uh, on family guy it doesn't happen anymore but there's probably a five year stretch where sometimes a room of five or six people would come back to the main room and one of them would be holding a guitar and it got very exciting (laughs) you'd be like oh they they wrote a song (laughs) like we get to hear that that was always fun
2: (laughs) and literally the jokes would come down to us and i remember jim brooks in our room saying just laughing his ass off and saying yay room (laughs) and it was just such a great vibe like there was it was it was not a zero sum thing. You get more out of the two rooms and the energy of them coming in. Yeah,
4: that sounds like a great collaborative experience. And uh, Goldie and I have experienced something different sometimes. Where when Seth was in the room, he's not there anymore because he's so busy running like five other things. But when he was there in the room, and a room would come back to pitch him jokes you know, you'd hand Seth a script of what you're about to pitch as well. You don't give the script out to everyone, but you give it to the showrunner or or Seth if he's there. So Seth would have the script, and this room would be sweating their way through their five pitches. And with one and a half pitches left, you'd just see Seth crinkle all the papers in his hand and throw them out. <laughs> and you know, like, oh, he's read to the end, and he has no hope <laughs> that this is going forward. And it's happened to me. It's happened to everybody in there. But... It was a, uh, and then of course there's the other side where Seth will burst out laughing at something. And then as you
1: say, the whole room is like really lifted up, but there was the yes, sweet yes. and the sour. <laughs> I,
3: I, it's I very that...
1: gratifying to make someone like James L. Brooks or, or Seth laugh and it, it can really keep you going for several months. But I, I had an ad lib. I was shooting the part on Ted yeah. and you know, you, you want to change your lines as you get toward the end, especially, and you know you have the line as written, but i I got a really big laugh off Seth because i'm I'm uh, yelling at someone in this scene and I'm listing all these bad things that have happened to me and the one I ad libbed that I, I I was like in the person's face and I go, for the last month. My feces have been white! <laughs> 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 and I felt like, I'll keep me going another year. <laughs> yeah.
4: You're so right. It's so interesting because, uh, yeah, definitely when Seth or Jim Brooks, I'm sure, gives you that kind of compliment, it really sticks with you for years and years and years. So Simpsons is a great experience for you. You came on Dads. You were awesome to work with there. And that room, as you highlighted, was very, a, a fun room. And and I've said this on here before, I give a lot of credit to Scully for that because he was, you know, clearly the sort of second in command there. And just the tone that he sets, he is yeah. such a mixture of uh, inclusiveness. And here's a guy who can do it, who has the goods. It's like you respect him immensely. Uh, and I think that that, that helped uh, sort of cover some of the sins at the top. Um but so you go through dads and then you're on Veep. So this is like now did you you were you won some Emmys at the Simpsons and also yes. with Veep. So what was
2: that experience like cuz I remember you on stage. I don't think you do cuz I never went on stage to get an Emmy at the Simpsons. Oh boy. Higher. Uh, I don't I, think... Because, you know, it was they were... You were next I mean, to Diana were, Ross and Reggie Jackson <laughs> and Andrew Warhol. Well, that's my posse everywhere I go. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go without them. But what would they do with their Nelson, time? Nelson De La Rosa. Uh, First of all, I got very lucky because I was there when they got a lot of Emmys and a way to win a lot of Emmys is to get on a show that wins a lot of Emmys, as yeah. you know. Now, now, let me just say... No,
1: we, we don't know, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't I'll us. take your word for it. Yeah.
2: So... Brian and Stewie, the Bank Vault episode. Yes. One of the great half hours of t- TV ever written. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. Gary Gen- sure yeah, Gary Gennetti. Right? Yeah, Gary Gennetti. Yeah. Gary yeah. Like, and, and not like, not joke bag great writing, although lots of jokes, but like writers sitting down, as far as I could tell watching it, writers sitting down and having a brilliant idea and being like a fucking playwright. Yes. Like writing like writing waiting for Godot, but better, but good, <laughs> right. watchable, like not endless and I want to walk out. Um, <laughs> right. like like a great version of a two-hander. Like that should have been an Emmy winner, but Simpsons was an Emmy show from from the beginning. It was the kind of show people thought about. Right. And some shows people don't think about, even if they do great work. L- let me say a very a very quick digression, which can cut right out if we're too long. But I just for a while, they did juried Emmy nominations where you would go to a place, you'd go to the academy, and you'd watch stuff in a room full of people. Right. And, yeah. and they'd listen to the laughs, and then people would vote afterwards on what you win. And um, Two and a Half Men was up, oh. which is not a show that we ever would associate with, with great writing with winning an Emmy. And I went there, and we watched it, and a room full of people laughed their asses off wow. at this show. And because of that, and because they heard themselves laughing and saw everyone else laughing, it was nominated for an Emmy because they couldn't just sit there and have a lot of attitude about, well, that's a three-camera show with Charlie Sheen, so it can't, and it's about to have sex jokes. But no, it's funny, great writing. Again, I'm not saying it's to the quality of Brian and Suey. It's not the same thing, but like sometimes a show gets in a category of this is not an Emmy show and people don't look at what's in front of them.
4: Right. That's a great point. And I love you highlighting that episode. That's, I think that's my favorite uh, Family Guy of all time, too. And I've mentioned this on here before. Gary Ginetti wrote that. And usually, as I'm sure you know, on The Simpsons and on Family Guy, a script comes back and even a, even a script that's in great shape goes through a number of changes. This was the only script I can remember where nothing was touched. Like Gary wow. turned wow. that in and it was exactly <laughs> as aired Like literally nothing was touched. So all credit to Gary on that. And yes, that is a a fantastic episode.
2: People should study that episode. People should should get a copy of it and study it. Like (laughs) you want to write a good half hour, they should study that.
4: That's a good point. Go back to Veep. All right. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about Veep. What was your experience like there? Because God, that was a great show. And just people loved it. Critics loved it. And I feel like writers also loved it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It it was... uh, you know, it was always a great show. I think when uh, Dave Mandel, who was a guy that uh, you certainly knew back at SNL, I worked very closely with there. Yep. I think when he took over, it got even better. I think the jokes were faster uh, and sharper. And I think, uh, I think this is the story track better. And, I think, and, and, uh, and again, all credit to Armando Iannucci for creating it. But I thought that Mandel turned it up. And also, they, they stopped shooting it in Maryland, which I think was uh, a lot easier on everybody because uh, show business is in Los Angeles. And it's an ideal place for a TV show to be, Los Angeles. So they moved it <laughs> to Paramount, and that was easier on everybody. And uh, they had an amazing season five and uh, with Mandel. And then, God bless him, he brought me on for season six and seven. And, uh, yeah, I was very happy to be in that room with, you know, those amazing writers and that cast, uh, you know, all of whom are your favorite people, like, yeah, you know, Julia, amazing. Tim is amazing. Uh, Matt Walsh, amazing. everybody's amazing, you know. Clea Duval, amazing. Like, again, I'm going to start leaving people out. Sam Ridge, everybody was great. Every character was your favorite yeah. character to write for. That's and, awesome. Uh, I will say it was kind of a unique show because we think about multicams and single cams. And weirdly, even though you would call that a single cam show because there was no studio audience, well, there were days that we had seven cameras going. <laughs> and <laughs> wow. you also had an audience because in the sense that you had all the writers sitting there on the set... Waiting to see if the line got a laugh. And if not, they're rewriting it and you're you're gonna go again just like we did on on dad's or on any other normal three three cameras. So it's interestingly kind of a hybrid that like cool. everything had to play. And if Video Village, you know, if it didn't get a laugh, Video Village had to come up with new jokes or have written new jokes the night before to be ready for that spot. So yeah. it really had, had that intensity of every single every single line must be good. And if if Julia just like, no, that's not playing. You know, even though you don't get the audience feedback, you get the kind of general crew cast yeah. sense of whether it's playing or not.
4: Uh, that's and I feel like that's what people think about who are not in in Hollywood and in writing is is a big part of of writing. So it's interesting that you and I, Goldie I know on your shows that you know when you're when you're shooting a live action sitcom, that's a lot of what it is on tape night. Is you you have to be ready
1: to keep to keep pitching in those moments. That's the most fun thing, in my opinion, it's of the whole job. Yeah. Because it's the instant gratification and then you get to play hero ball a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> if, you're, if you're the person who gets it in, you get a little shine on you for, for 10 minutes.
2: Yep. It, it feels awfully good to get that. I remember um, Steve Healy and I got a joke in and I remember it was on a very, very tense night and I remember it was the last time I felt good that night because it was election night. Uh, and we were simultaneously shooting an episode where where Selena Meyer goes to Georgia to help undermine, to try to corruptly undermine their election to the Republic of Georgia. So as we were shooting this joke about an election being undermined, our election was being undermined by Russian interference, and we were wow. experiencing the beginning of the Trump presidency. And so... Yikes. literally julia would come off the set come off the set shooting these scenes and say well how's florida looking and she'd get the bad news and have to go back out and be funny yeah. about yeah. election interference it was it was an appalling night but i remember like early in the night it's like healy and i are like yeah we got that joke in mandel like that joke <laughs> yeah, right. We scored yeah. <laughs> that's the highlight nothing of the night. could go wrong now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i
1: woke both my daughters up because I wanted them to remember when they saw the first female president.
3: <gasps> oh, really? Yeah.
1: Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh,
4: no. Yeah. It was a heartbreaking I night. I just remember watching that New York Times meter. Yep. You know, I Instead, kept they learned a yeah. more
1: important <laughs> lesson. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you, you lose. Everyone cheats. You yeah.
3: can't trust your father. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> <Right.
4: laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's Ian... Thank you so much for uh, for talking to us today because yeah. it's so fun. Yes. to go. You know, I feel like I knew some about you before, but I feel like I know a lot more about you now. And um, you were always so gracious and nice to me uh, and Goldie on Dads. It was you know just a pleasure working with you. And um, thank you again for talking to us today.
2: Yeah, huge honor, huge honor to join the crew of. Of guests of this show,
4: all star, all star, and you're going to be joining our dinner too.
3: Yes,
2: Which?
4: I hear. I'm I'm working on getting it outside, guys. Don't worry. Everyone <laughs> who's worried about that, I'm I'm working <laughs> on it. Okay, now let's go into a portion of the show we like to call top five. Top five. Ooh. All right, <laughs> that's us. So now, uh, this week's top five, it was my category. We had talked about it uh, months and months ago, but we're finally doing it. It's top five worst song lyrics. Mm. So uh, what do you think? Who would like to go first?
2: I, I will go first because I found it so hard. It was so hard, yeah. Because, because you're sort of thinking, you know, pop songs, rock songs, there's no standard. You know, right, like uh, Susu Studio, you know, the Populous right. of Love, like, you can't beat up on those things, like, they're rock songs, you forgive them, they're rock and roll. <laughs> and I just, and so I, I, I just have to say that I feel bad about most of these. Right, so we, let's get into them. I, I will go through very quickly. So, firstly, it's got to be like MacArthur Park, um, yes, just like. Uh, spring was never waiting for us, girl. It ran one step ahead as we followed the dance between the parted pages and pressed <laughs> in love's hot fevered iron like a striped pair of pants. Cocaine. <laughs> like, that's uh-huh.
1: just cocaine.
2: Okay. <laughs> uh, um, terrible. And that's before you even get into the, the melting cake. Yeah, the cake is right. its rain. own. Like, what that's is a that? famous but, thing, yeah. Okay, so next one. And again, it's this great moving song by Jimmy Webb about some sort of heartbreak, but God knows what it's based on. Okay. Next one, one of the best, you know, hip hop rap songs ever. I love the song, but in New York, concrete jungle, where dreams are made of.
3: How about how about where
2: dreams are made up, or concrete jungle that dreams are made of? Like either way, it scans. It's the greatest song. It's like I, I listen to that song and I'm skiing. I love it. I sing out loud. But like where dreams are made of. Okay. Okay. And this, this, I'm just, this is, I become like a cranky old man making fun of Jewel, but there are jokes on TV. There are people selling thoughtlessness with such casualty. And I know Kurt Loder has been there before, and I, I just feel bad. Like It's a fine, sweet song. Okay. Number two, Van Halen, Why Can't This Be Love. And only time will tell. If we stand the test of time,
1: <laughs> I like that. I know
4: I love that song. I mean, right when you said that, I like, just go. Okay. Yeah.
2: So the last one is an oldie, and this I'm sort of reaching out there, but and again I love the song. It's an oldie. God rest ye merry gentlemen. Okay, so God fine rest what God rest ye. I'm lost. Merry. Okay, it's a Christmas song. Gentlemen, Christmas is not a holiday for gentlemen. How about God rest you, Mary, everyone? Like why is it why is gentlemen suddenly oh "Oh, this is a holiday for gentlemen? Okay, but let me just very quickly. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. How are you not going to remember that? His name is in the name. (laughs) Oh, now I remember. Oh, yeah, I remember. It's like, remember that the 4th of July is celebrated on July 4th. Again, a lovely song. Nothing against whoever wrote it. (laughs) That's great. Oh,
4: those are great. Excellent, excellent list. Uh, Anyone else want to go? I'm happy to. Go ahead. All right. I'm going to start with uh, number five is uh, in Glory Days. Danny Smith pointed this out mm. to me. Bruce Springsteen's Glory Days. He'll throw that speed ball by. Ya. <laughs> nobody, nobody calls it a speed ball ever. Nobody who doesn't know sports or does know sports calls
1: it a speed no, ball. You're nitpicking here. It's a good song. <laughs>
3: yeah. It's a great song. Great.
1: That's a or bad song. No one who mixes lyric.
2: cocaine and heroin. No one who mixes <laughs> cocaine and heroin <laughs> will throw that particular mixture. Yes, that's right. They will inject it.
4: <laughs> no one's called it a speedball. Okay, number four. And this is, this is a bad song ZZ Top's Sleeping Bag. <laughs> okay. They had a song, Sleeping Bag, which actually in iTanya,
1: she skates to, which I oh. thought was hilarious. <laughs> um, I mean, Tush. Also, they've, they've got, they could be on the legs. I mean, they could be on the list a lot with legs. It just,
4: yeah, 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 yeah not great. So, sleeping bag, they have a lyric. When, when it's cold outside and you want to sleep in, go for a pallet that's nice and thin. Slip inside my sleeping bag. <laughs> just a terrible, a terrible run. Forgettable. Okay, number three. I just have always found the entirety of foreigners hot blooded to be like <laughs> <Okay>. particularly <laughs> annoying. Okay, that's good. Yeah, it's just the whole thing. You know, if your temperature is 103, just like Go you shouldn't hospital. be having sex or doing any of that <laughs> running around. Um, number two for me, this song, even as a child, I thought was stupid. speed speedwagons. I can't fight this feeling anymore. Yeah. It's time to bring this ship into the shore. <laughs> And stow away the oars forever. <laughs> and first of all, Ian will be with me here. Ships are larger vessels. You're not bring, sculling them into shore with oars. Yeah, also, it's not going to happen, people. To, to stow away the oars forever is just short-sighted. You're going to need those again. <laughs> and then number one, and this is an oft-talked-about song, We Didn't Start the Fire. Mm. There's just a lot in there. In particular... <laughs> The juxtaposition of the assassinations of Martin Luther King, Martin, uh, John F. Kennedy with rock and roll cola wars. <laughs> oh, <wait. laughs> like somehow that was the, that's the thing that sends him over the edge. He gets very animated when he sings about rock and, the JFK and Martin Luther King thing is kind of whatever down here, but the cola wars he can't take anymore. Yeah. That's it. That's it
1: for me.
5: Goldie, do you want to go or should I go?
1: Yeah, I'll go. Okay. So I, I took the assignment a little broader and they're just the, the songs overall mm-hmm. were bad and within sure. them they're bad. but Good. um number five and number four of a similar ilk. Number five is Black Betty because from the the <laughs> yes. second you start singing, you're in racial trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, Black Betty. Okay, you you've already you, don't. No, whatever you're saying, it's just stop. Don't say it. You should not st- start a song by yelling, Whoa, Black Betty. <laughs> what if it was, Whoa, Black Betty, she's wonderful. Whoa, Black Betty, she's wonderful. Nope. no, Okay. Yeah, just, and, and by the same token, uh, John Mellencamp's Pink Houses... You hear some guitar chords, and then the next thing you hear is, well, there's a black man. Okay, no. No, we don't need to talk about him. You certainly don't. We don't need to observe anything about him. You should just, just keep well, that to yourself. Great observation. You're in trouble. Uh, number three is The Who's Boris the Spider. Oh, yeah. Just an awful, awful song. Yeah, I, I, don't, I won't even go into um, number is two lighter. is is one particular lyric in the Rod Stewart song "Maggie May": "My love, you don't need to coax." <laughs> that might be yeah. the worst <laughs> written sentence ever in the English language. I mean, that's just appalling. And the, and the worst song, I, I would say, one of the worst songs ever. And the worst lyrics at number one. Fin Lizzie, the boys are back in town. Oh, but what that's... the fuck are you talking about? Why did they leave? Why should I care that they're back? Why did you tell them I'm downtown? I mean, if I want to see them, I'll go see them. Uh, that 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 woman who slapped Johnny. Why did she slap him? What did he do something to her? Should Johnny be arrested? And then we're going to Dino's Bar and Grill. Do we need a reservation? The Blood will spill. I mean, the whole thing. I don't I don't care about the boys. <laughs> if I wanted love. to go see them, I'd go to where they are now. How many boys are there? Are we talking about like three people or like 50? Like what the fuck is happening? <laughs> I love that this gave this bit yes. an outlet. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, great list. Yes, very well, good list. Well delivered.
5: Um, okay, so my number five. I feel like a lot of these songs people like, but these are just, I, when I looked at the lyrics, um, from... Pour some sugar on me. Love is like a bomb, baby. Come on, get it on. Living like a lover with a radar phone.
3: I don't even get it. <laughs> Looking
5: like a tramp, like a video vamp. Demolition woman, can I be your man? Yeah. <laughs> it's like all of it's really bad. God, <laughs> it's so bad. Awful. Um, this one is from Miley Cyrus's Party in the USA, which I actually love this song. Good song. But... Um, There's so many bad lyrics in it, but the one in particular that really gives me the heebie-jeebies is, um, like, who's that chick that's rocking kicks? She's got to be from out of town. Just everything, like, rocking kicks just makes me (laughs) want to barf. Okay. number she's
4: she's wearing shoes. Yeah. She's wearing sneaks. Yeah.
5: yeah. (laughs) Um, Instead of, like, stilettos. Um, Number three, this is a a song's personal to me. Knee deep in the hoopla, sinking in your fight. Too Many Runaways, Eaten Up the Night. Marconi so, Plays the Mamba. Yeah, and I was actually a, one of those runaways in the video. So
4: I know, I we love that. JC that was in the We Built This City on Rock and Roll yes, music video. Yes, yeah, just it, in case you didn't know.
5: Okay, number two. <laughs> Da-do-do-do, do, da, da da is all I have to say to you.
3: <laughs> That's uh,
5: yep. And then my number one, uh, this one, I made fun of so often that it became like part of just something I said all the time. I'm so three thousand and eight, you're so two thousand and late by uh, Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas. Boom, boom, wow. oh, she's a serial
1: <laughs> violator. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, those We've are had awesome. have with her before. <laughs>
4: Great list. Okay, so what do we have next week? Who is it? Is it JC. It's me. Okay.
5: And um, this is also a familiar one for the three of us, uh, which we just never did. It is top five horror movies oh i
4: love it love it already done i'm already done i've thought about this many many times i know (laughs) love it (laughs) love it um all right something else i love is we're gonna end this show like we always do on a high note thank you tom and max it always goes on a little bit too long I'll start off, I'm going to hijack, and everyone in Goldie told me not to do this, but uh, my high note today is sitting right here, Mr. Ian Maxstone Graham. Yes, thank you. Thank Ian. you for sharing those stories of your life. We, And uh, in particular, I don't want to, you know, shine a spotlight on any one thing, but hearing more and more about Norm, and now you recommending that audiobook, that's amazing. I'm sure that will give me hours and hours of enjoyment.
2: Yes. Uh, so happy to do it. Uh, I mean, what can you say? I, I was honored to work with that guy. Yeah. Uh, yep. And he's uh, he's gone, and I took that you know, that news. I believe basically blew me back from my computer when it oh, came in. Just like, yeah. What? Yeah. And uh, but I, you know, all you can do is in your life try to try to work with the great people. You know, I've worked with Simon Rich. I've worked with Jim Downey. I've worked with, you know, so many awesome people. I worked with you guys. You know, it's like that's what you got and you just I'm grateful that I had it.
5: Yeah, it's beautiful.
2: Well said. Well said. Who's I'm next? I'm just going to leap
1: on your note and, and but I'm in Ian's honor instead of calling it the high note, I'm just calling it the tall note. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah,
5: well and done. I and yes, and thank you from beginning from the start when we did our very first audio like connection months ago before you took your vacation to our last one. I've learned so much about you and you shared a lot of your time so really appreciate it
2: it, it was great uh, trading uh, snl stories with you yeah. That was so much fun it was really fun um well ian you've got a high note too just super quickly i i know we're tight on time uh so a few weeks ago we were invited to someone's house and like this doctor who went to mozambique is going to be there and like it was a good friend like yeah sure we'll go to our house and we go there and he shows us some a lot of footage and talks to us and so just very quickly Mozambique has 28 million people, and they have three plastic surgeons. Wow. And I know we've all been in buildings in Beverly Hills and elsewhere in L.A. where you have three plastic surgeons in one office. And this is a country with three plastic surgeons. And this guy goes to Mozambique and takes people who have a little problem, which would be no problem here and is a big problem in Mozambique, where like a baby fell in a fire and their head is stuck back like that to their back of their to their neck and that's been this baby's and he goes and he he's a plastic surgeon and he fixes it or a guy's hand is twisted back like this and he fixes it and then he shows them how to fix it and he gives them these special glasses so that when they're doing these surgeries he can be back home in LA and he can talk them through the surgery they're doing
0: wow so this
2: one guy David Culber is picking this one country and trying to get it so, so that people with these horrible problems—and I'm not talking about like I don't like these wrinkles up here—but serious problems right. can have them fixed, oh, Hand, beautiful. face, everything—and watching this video, watching these people it was amazing. The company has a very strange name. Uh, it's called Ohana One. O H A N A, and then one. I would just say Google it.
5: I think that's a Hawaiian term. See what these guys term, did. Ohana. It's
3: like oh, family. It is a Hawaiian
2: term. That's yeah. right. And. Uh, they do it in other countries too, but the one that they focus on, uh, Jay Roach uh, went along with him. Jay Roach, the brilliant writer, producer, uh, and it was like shooting video of them doing it. And he's he's one of the people, I think, on the board. And just like, I, I just can't think of anything more moving that I ever did than watch these things. And I that was yeah, my high note, just beautiful. seeing this guy, David, David Culber- just just moves me to tears
4: that's amazing thank you amazing i just put our what did we do high notes about you what are you (laughs) doing (laughs) you wrote on dads
3: congratulations (laughs) Um, but seriously
4: that's a that's a great um that's a great cause ohana one google that and uh thank you again for being here with us today Thank you two for always being awesome. Thank and thank you all out there for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for inviting me. Bye.
1: Next week. No camera. No! Damn it. Damn it. No! <laughs> no!
3: That was fun. And it stops right now.
0: Daddy likey.